0: Um, I grew up in a family uh, with five siblings. I have three brothers and two sisters. And the person in the birth order that I was the closest to was my sister, Jeannie. She was two years older than me. Actually, she was two years and 12 days older than me. And so we were the closest. And, And growing up, she's the one that for 10 years we walked to school together. From the time I was in the first grade until she graduated from high school when I was in the 10th grade, we we walked to school together every day. And then when we got in college, my my freshman year of college, we actually rode to college together. Uh, We went to a a college, a university in North Alabama that was just a few miles from where we grew up. And she actually was responsible for me missing my first ever college class. Because she was a you know a wily old veteran of college and she knew the ropes. And so she had me drop her off at her class in front of the building. And then I had to go find a parking place. And I dropped her off. I went to find a parking place. And my class was actually in the same building that her class was in. But I couldn't find it. After I parked the car. Now, if you're my wife or anyone who's traveled with me, it it would be of no surprise to you that I couldn't find it, but I I couldn't find the building, and so I missed my whole, my first class, and it was then that I I realized that you can do that, (laughs) you know, I mean, in high school, okay, I did it in high school, but I got in trouble. And on this day, I didn't get in trouble. And we'll get back to that later. So anyway, so this was the relationship with, between my sister uh, and me. I said to her in the ten, when I was in 10th grade and she was a senior, I said, I'm not going to get married until I find someone I like better than you. were we were close. We were really good friends. And I I told her, I said, until I find somebody better than you, I'm not going to get married. And then on July the 16th, 1977, I was 18 years old. And I took Melissa Bolton to see Orca the Killer Whale. I mean, come on. What could be better than that? Took her home. Went back to my house, went upstairs, woke my sister up, and said, you're history. <laughs> I found somebody I like better than you. Two years later, roughly, on uh, May the 19th, 1979, 40 years ago today, I married this woman. Yeah. And and I'm sure I'm confident that she would tell you that the last 40 years have been 35 of the best years of her life. (laughs) So, here's the deal for today. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not really going to preach today. I'm going to give advice. Okay? And so, you know, the thing about advice is that, uh, I, I hope it's good advice and helpful advice, but, you know, you may think it's not, and that's okay. If you don't think it's good advice, then you can just ignore it and then go to counseling later. Um, (laughs) Here's what I ask you to do, because I'm going to say some things today to try to get you to think, okay? Because I want you to think. Um, But here's what I'm asking of you. Try to hear what I'm saying rather than judging what I say, okay? Because I may I may say some things that sound to you like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. And what I'm just asking you to do is to think. And, and let the Holy Spirit interpret, marinate, communicate, revelate, whatever eight he needs to do. Okay? Y'all good with that? Let me start by reading uh, from Proverbs 22. Beginning at verse 4. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares. But he who guards his soul stays far from them. Train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Lord, I pray. I pray that you will speak. I, I do pray, Lord, that, that somehow, way, you would speak. Through my voice, through my words, I pray that uh, you would anoint my words and anything that is from you, anything that brings life, any, anything that provides wisdom and gives godly direction, I pray that it would connect. I pray that it would pierce our hearts and change our lives. And, and Lord, anything that is not from you, I just ask that it would fall to the ground like dust and be blown away. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are a few things in life that are more exciting than bringing home a baby, right? You bring home that first baby. I I remember uh, when when Melissa when when Melissa and I, when Melissa had Mason, I mean, I was there, but she did all the hard work. When Melissa and I had Mason, we were so prepared. We didn't even have a car seat. We're at the hospital, and they're telling us, you know, you got to have our car seat take this baby home. I had to go to Walmart and buy a car seat. And so we take this baby home. We're so excited, we can't wait to get this baby home. And, and we don't know how to bathe the baby. We had to call Julie Ward and say, Julie, how do you bathe the baby? You remember that, Julie? I'm like, babe, Julie, how do you bathe the baby? So Julie comes over and bathe, gives Mason his first bath. And shows us, because, you know, she had older kids, so she, she knew how to bathe the baby. We didn't know how to bathe the baby. We There were just so many things we didn't know. But, but bringing a kid home, bringing out your first child, your second child, your eighth child, it makes no difference. There are few things in life that are more exciting than bringing a child home. And then they leave. They do. Then comes the exit. And so, wh- what I want to talk about today is, is the leaving. Uh, because it's a big deal. Uh, some of you are graduating from high school. Some of you are graduating from college. Some of you, maybe out there, are about to get married. And that's a big deal. Uh, but there are all sorts of transitions, and there's all sorts of uh, leaving that takes place in families. Some of you are taking jobs in another state. <laughs> and you don't have room in your car for your kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I Here's my first statement that you need to think about. Children don't exist for their parents. Children don't exist for their parents. Now, I'm just like you. One of the greatest days of my life, two of the greatest days of my life, when, when our children were born, you know, I remember the first time when Melissa said, we're going to have a baby. I remember the second time Melissa said, we're going to have another baby. You know, and uh, thrilling, exciting days. And, I, and I, I, I don't even want to imagine or think about life without my kids. But my, my children do not exist for me. They don't even belong to me. They belong to the Lord. They belong to the Lord. And in a, in a sense, I exist for them more than they exist for me. They needed me. They needed Melissa. So what I want to talk about, I want to talk about before, during, and after they leave before during and after so before before they go parents this is your time and and for many of you you know you're you're thinking well you know, it's kinda late they're leaving tomorrow and and so hopefully you've heard this before <laughs> Uh, but, but there are others of you out there that have young children. Maybe you, you haven't had children yet. And you're hoping to have children. Maybe you're not even married. Maybe you on the front row need to hear this because someday you will be sitting where your parents are sitting today. Okay? Uh, but the before time, before they go, that is your time. And there are some things that you need to do. You need to love them. But you don't need to obsess over them liking you. You need to love them. You need to love them, love them, love them. But don't obsess over them liking you. Your job is not to be their friend. Your job is to be their parent. Love them, secondly, I would say you need to teach them, but don 't exasperate them. Do you know that the answer because I said so? do you know that answer? Why do we have to do this, Mom, because I said so. okay, I want to say two things about that. I want to say this to you to you guys and and the whole generation that you represent, because I said so should be good enough for you but it shouldn't be good enough for you you hear what i'm saying a child whose parent says because i said so that should be good enough for the child but it shouldn't be good enough for the parent you sh- you should offer more you should be willing to say more you should be prepared to say more you should explain even though you feel like oh, i don't really have to explain You know, God put me in charge. Mm. You're a steward, not an owner. And so you have to carry out this position and this job the way God would carry it out. And God goes to great length, even though He doesn't have to, He goes to great length to explain Himself. And so you can as well. Teach them, train them, let them fail. Whoops. Let them fail. We used to watch, Melissa and I, when we lived in Athens, we would watch every year the freshman class come in to Athens. And, uh, and we would just go down the line. We, we would watch them for a week or so, and we'd go, okay, helicopter parent, helicopter parent, helicopter parent, helicopter parent. Because the ones whose parents had consistently rescued them through the first 18 years of their life were helpless when they got to college couldn't make decisions couldn't say no couldn't say yes didn't know what to do let them fail it's okay it's one of the best ways to learn show them the way Show them the way. I would suggest that your life should answer more questions than it asks. The way that you live your life in front of your children should answer more questions than it stirs up. Does that make sense? They need to be able to look at you and know what you stand for what you believe in, what you're going after. My brother, my oldest brother, Mike, who's five years older than me, tells the story that the first memory he had of my dad was standing in the checkout line at the grocery store, and the woman behind the cash register gave my dad a nickel too much in change. And my dad said, excuse me, you gave me a nickel too much, and he gave it back. And my brother, who at the time was six years old, maybe five years old, never forgot it because he knew. He watched my dad, and he knew my dad is honest. My dad has character. That must be something that's important. And he believed it, and he followed it. Show them the way. Live your life before them. If you want your children to grow up to love the Lord, They should know that you do without you having to tell them and without them having to ask. It should be obvious. Should you tell them? Yes, you should tell them. Should they have to ask? No, they should not have to ask. It should be obvious by the way that you live, not by the way that you act at church on Sunday. By the way that you live, by the way that you treat their mom, by the way that you treat their dad, by the way that you make decisions, by the way you operate in the workplace, by the way that you operate at the ball field. I'll wait while you catch your breath. They need to be able to look at you and tell who you are and what you stand for. Live your faith before them and pray. Pray for them. Pray for them when they're young. Pray for them when they're not so young. Pray for them when they're old. Pray, 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 pray. Never stop. Never stop. And I would go on to say, your children should not have to ask if prayer is an important part of your life. It should be obvious. They should be able to see it. They should be invited into it. Pray. That's all the before. During, during, during that transition time, as they're about to leave, you've raised them up, you've given to them, you've invested in them, you've loved them. Be available but not annoying. I know. Be available, but not annoying. Listen to them. And then pray and pray and pray. Now let me, let me me go back and add this. This is from the beginning and this is from the during as well. Um, You need to have boundaries for your children you can't control them. You can't. Are you are all ready to think? <laughs> you can't control them. And no matter who you are, no matter how good a job you do, I can promise you at some point in time, your children are going to do something you wish they hadn't done. You cannot control them no matter how hard you try. Don't try. Don't try to control them. Teach them, train them, show them the way. Provide boundaries for them. And whatever you do, don't trust them. (laughs) I know that's a hard one. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said that. You know what I'm. This this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say hear what I'm saying. Don't judge what I said. I know you. I know you trust your kids. I know you. But I'm just going to tell you right now that if you trust them blindly, <laughs> you will be so sorry, <laughs> and they will too. They will too. How many of you, as a teenager? would have blessed the world, given blind trust in everything with no boundaries. None of us. I mean, I found out as a college freshman you didn't have to go to class. And I said, well, I'll never do that again. No. I got called into the office of my accounting professor my freshman year because I... I went into the final exam needing a hundred to get a C and I made 115 and he couldn't believe it because i had made like 64 on the midterm and he called me in his office and he said, how did you do this? And I said, well, my sister taught me the class in, in a week. And I just, I went to her house every night for four hours a night. And she took, started with chapter one. She taught me the whole class. And he said, I would give you a B. You obviously know the material, but this class met 39 times, and you missed 19. (laughs) Do not do that. (laughs) Boundaries. Set boundaries for your kids. Where's Danny? Danny Dupree. This man knows stuff. He investigates. He's an investigator. You still have a license? He is a private investigator with a license. As a parent, that's what you need to be. (laughs) You need to know stuff that they don't know you know. About them. I'm just telling you. My son grabbed me when, I was, when he was 20 years old, put his arm around me. He said, Dad, you know there's stuff you don't know. And I said, let's keep it that way. What I was thinking was not nearly so much as you think. <laughs> All right. So before they go, teach them, train them, live before them. Pray for them. During that transition time, be available. Don't be annoying. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. In both stages, set boundaries. After it's time, parents and they leave, they go to college or they go to another country for crying out loud. Yeah. You know what you do then, right? No, you pay. Yeah, You pray, you pray, you pray. You pay also, but you pray, you pray, and you pray. And you respect, and you give space, and you listen. And guess when you speak? When you're invited. When you're invited. And you listen to their dreams, and you listen to their plans, and you do not poo-poo their plans. You don't. You don't poo-poo their plans. Y'all know what that means, right? You can ask questions. You cannot pronounce verdicts. Okay. All right, children, a couple things. Now, let me tell you, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm a high school graduate, I'm a college graduate. Why is he calling me a child? Because you are one. But there's hope for you. Okay. Here's some things for you. For you towards your parents. Love them. Have mercy on them. Love them, love them, love them. And honor them. Honor them. Being a parent, although it is an incredibly blessed life and, and Full of joy. It is not easy. Just the stress alone of being responsible for another human being is difficult. Okay? Honor them. And then communicate, communicate, communicate. Now, let me tell you what communicate is not. Let me get down right here. I want you to hear this. Okay? This is not communicate. Mom, I'm in Mexico. <laughs> that's not communication. Communication is, Mom, I'm thinking about going to Mexico in a couple of months. Okay, that's better. You see, the, you see how that's better? By the way, do you know that three of the most dangerous cities in the world are in Mexico? <laughs> three of the top five. So just keep that in mind. So when you call your mom and say, Mom, I'm in Mexico, you know what she's thinking? How fast can I get there? Okay. She's thinking extraction. There's probably going to be a SEAL team showing up at your apartment. Okay. So love, honor, communicate, and bless. Bless your parents. You know, what one of the best things you can do to bless your parents, say thank you. Say thank you. Mason called me his freshman year of college. The end of the first semester, he called me. And he said, "Dad, I'm so sorry." I said, well, "What's what's wrong?" And he said, "I had no idea how much food cost." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I kid you not. When we would. When we would take our family, the four of us, out to dinner, it would always cost about 100 bucks. Mason went off to college, and then Melissa and Grace Ann and I could go out to dinner, and it would cost about 50 bucks. <laughs> and then Grace Ann went off to college, and Melissa and I go out to dinner, it costs like 15 I, So, say thank you. Now, let me, go, let me readdress the parents. I have some final thoughts for the parents and some final thoughts for the kids. Parents, let them go. Let them go. Your goal and purpose in parenting was to get them to the place of not needing you. It really is. You know why? Because the world needs them. Let them go because the world needs them and the kingdom is calling them and God will carry them. My wife wrote it on a post-it note. She stuck it on the mirror in my son's room. She took it from the Lord of the Rings. God has chosen you. Evil will hunt you. A fellowship will protect you. Now, you will discover in college whether your faith is yours or someone else's. Statistics of the number of church-going high schoolers who fall away from the Lord in college are astounding, shocking. And the truth is, you don't know yet what you'll do. But you're going to find out. You're going to find out when you go off to college whether your faith is based on conviction or convenience. And you wake up on a Sunday morning in another city, another state, or another country, and nobody says, nobody yells up the stairs, it's time to get up, breakfast is ready, we're going to church, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? When there's no uh, youth pastor saying, hey, Bible study is Wednesday night and your mom and dad heard it. What are you going to do? When it's up to you to decide whether you pursue faith or not, what will happen? You will be free. Some of you will fly some of you may fail if you fall get up if you fall again get up again proverbs 2 or 22 4 through 6 where we just read it says choose humility choose humility guys You're going to a place where there are a lot of people smarter than you. Take advantage of that. Go with humility and learn. Put God first. Make the choice now. Make the choice now to put God first. And wherever you go, whatever you're doing, keep him first. The third thing it says in that passage is he talks about things that steal from you. Avoid anything and everything that could steal your destiny from you. Right now, you have a chance to choose who you want to be, where you want to go, what you want to do. If you do not take the initiative to make the choices that bring that to pass, someone else will choose for you. And when you get to wherever you're going, whether it's a college campus or a mission station, a DTS somewhere, wherever it is you're going, when you get to that place, people will line up to tell you what to believe and who to follow. You better choose now. You better decide now before you go who you're going to believe and who you're going to follow. Will God bring some incredible people into your life? Yes, he will. Will you be able to tell who's for you and who's against you? Maybe. Maybe not. But you have a better chance of knowing if your heart is true, truly connected to the Lord. He will lead you, He will guide your steps. Proverbs talks about thorns and snares. Let me give you some examples selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. The Bible says, a man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. Some of you have ideas about what you want to do and who you want to be. And I just want to say, check with the Lord. Check with God. Don't ask him to approve your dream. Ask him to tell you what his is. Momentary pleasure is another obstacle. Thorns and snares, selfish ambition, second, momentary pleasure. The Bible talks in 1 John 2, uh, uh, verse 16, chapter 2, verse 16, 1 John. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Lust of the eye, looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. Lust of the flesh, wanting to feel things that you shouldn't feel. It's not time. Pride of life, wanting to have power. To look, to feel, and to have. All of those are things that must be filtered through the Lord. Compromise is the last thing. Compromise will derail you. And here's how compromise works. Compromise doesn't come to your door and say, I want you to go completely rogue. I want you to go completely opposite of everything you've ever believed and heard and be absolutely, insanely wicked. Compromise says, just take one half step to the left. It'll be okay. Just go there for a minute. Just for a minute. And then you can come back. That's what compromise is. There's a man in the Bible who compromised. His name was Samson. And I'll leave you with this. Samson compromises his calling and his faith and his anointing by the Lord. And he winds up with this woman, Delilah, and he compromises his convictions, things that the Lord has told him that are to be kept secret and just between him and the Lord. And he exposes those things to Delilah, and she takes advantage of him, and she cuts his hair, and he loses his strength. You know all of that. I'm sure you know the story. But you may have missed this verse. Judges 16.20, when Delilah sends the Philistines in, she's cut his hair, his strength is gone, she sends the Philistines in to take advantage of him. And this is what Judges 16.20 reads like this. Samson awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know, that the Lord had left him. That's what compromise does. Compromise gradually moves you away. And you wake up one day and go, what happened? I didn't even realize it. I didn't know. Don't go there. Is there a way back? There is a way back. Do you want to learn about that? No, you don't. You don't. You've been given a treasure. You've been given a treasure. Somebody, your parents or a friend or somebody has gotten you into church and has put you in the position where you're sitting on the front row on maybe the last Sunday before you go off to college. And it is an opportunity, it is a treasure, it is a gift from God for you to decide before you go, I'm going to do this the right way. I'm not going to be one of those statistics of people that that fall away. I'm going to be a part of a revolution that changes the world. Of young men and young women... Who runs so hard after God that the world starts to spin in the other direction? The greatest adventure you could ever give yourself to is to be faithful. Now let's pray. What I pray uh, for parents in the room. Uh, Myself included, I pray for grace to let go. Let them go. Trust them to go and to be who you've called them to be. Trust you more than anything. Trust you with them. They were yours when you gave them to us. They're still yours. And we give them back. And Lord, I pray for these students. I pray that when temptation knocks on their door, they'll remember. On May the 19th, 2019, some crazy guy in red tip socks told me this would happen. And I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay true. Momentary pleasure will not steal my dream. In Jesus' name, amen.